announcements. Isn't she the best? Oh man, she's so good at them. Thank you, Kara, for helping me with video announcements. Worship team, you guys are incredible. You just lead us right in. Um, uh, you know, it seems like whenever we're talking about, whenever we're talking about God and His, His the characteristics of God, man, it's just so easy for your heart to just melt. Um, I just, I just love uh, the, the faithfulness. The songs about His faithfulness uh, wreck me the most. I just. You, you, you catch your, your tongue, you can't even sing because you're just so caught up in the moment of like, wow, you are so beyond faithful. Even when we're not faithful, you remain faithful. You're always there. I want to dismiss the True Fire kids. Thank you so much, uh, leaders, for helping and serving our, our young people. By the way, Wednesday nights have been a blast. Um, been hanging out down there this year. We've kind of made some, a transition from hanging out every Wednesday night with youth, and now we're hanging out kind of in our children's department. Heather and I, uh, Shane and Ashley, are leading the, the, the youth, uh, and, and Travis as well, every single Wednesday. Um, it, last, uh, last summer, I just felt a conviction, personal conviction, that... Um, uh, to, to really pour into the children's area and into the children themselves more than I have been. I'm the student pastor. I'm not the youth pastor. Some of, some of you guys call me the youth pastor. I'm actually the student pastor slash associate pastor and just had a deep conviction that we need to really pour into our children as well. And so um, totally out of my comfort zone, um, but we have some phenomenal leaders down there every Wednesday night uh, in, in all areas. And we're thankful that you guys are able to be at uh, small groups, and uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a really exciting, fun year. I feel like we're really moving forward in a lot of different areas, um, but just really excited about children's ministry right now. This, uh, this, this uh, message is called the, the True Elder Brother. I want to read just a, a very, very short story. William was born in Seattle, Washington, in, or on October 28th, 28th well, that's just a few days away, 1955. He married a woman by the name of Melinda. They have two girls and a boy. For school, he attended Harvard and is one of the best known entrepreneurs of the personal computer revolution. Most people know him as Bill Gates. In September of 2017, his net worth is $84 billion. Now, that's a lot of money. Uh, if, you were, if you could live, uh, or if, yeah, if you could live for 84 billion minutes, to put in perspective, how, how much billion is, is you would live until you were 159,000 years old. Uh, so that's a, lot of, that's a lot of just minutes. If uh, with $84 billion, you could afford to give every man, woman, and child uh, over $2,000 in, 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 the, in the country of Canada. Um, if, if you could save $10,000 every single day, so think about that, $10,000 every single day. Today, you're gonna to make $10,000. You could save it every single day, then it would only take you 23,000 years to save $84 billion. $84 billion is a lot of money, and that's the net, the net worth or the net value of Bill Gates. How valuable do you think you are to God? Because, because Intellectually, we can accept the fact that we're valuable to God. I can accept that in my mind, like, oh, I'm very valuable to God. But he actually wants you to experience 
those feelings. He wants you to actually experience how valuable you are to him. That he would bankrupt heaven, his beloved son. That he would say, I'm all in. I want my kids back. That's how valuable you are to him. And really today is the story of the true elder brother, Jesus Christ. It's the story of, it's the story of Jesus. And we were joking about it last week that Pastor Tom really preached uh, the story of the elder brother in the story. And uh, the room stayed pretty quiet, mostly because I think we were all assessing our own lives. Uh, I'm also, <laughs> my name's John, and I'm an, a recovering elder brother as well. Um, it's just such a profound story. And so this week, we're talking about the true elder brother. And so it's probably going to be a little bit more easy to, to, to be vocal and, and to hear how just amazing our big brother is. He's just so incredible. He's so slow to anger, and he'll do whatever it takes to, to get our hearts um, back to the table. And so we've been looking at the story traditionally called the parable of the prodigal son. We've said that we're going to miss the radical message of the story if we don't see that it's really about the two sons. It's one who's immoral and and bad and one who's very moral and good. But both, we've been learning, are alienated. They're distant from the father. And so therefore, they're spiritually lost. And this is just an incredible message to think through, but there is much more. It's, it's, it's easy for us to miss this part, but we must remember that this is the third of three parables taught by Jesus to the same audience. So if I were to give a message about three different stories, you would think about them all together. And so that's what we're gonna do today. Though we are gonna be focusing on the last one, the true elder brother, so the, where we're going today is we're going to be talking about the cost of reconciliation. And I, I realize I need to slow down because I was reading through this and it's hard, you know, when you teach something, uh, you, you have to really get a better understanding of it than, than you know, just listening to it. But even as, I'm, as I was preparing, it was difficult for me to really, like, what does this mean for me? What, is this, what does this mean just in general? So I'll, I'm going to try to slow down and, and try to share this as if it's the first time me reading it. The cost of reconciliation, that's a big word we'll talk about in just a second. The second thing we're talking about is that there's a missing elder brother in this story and that we have a true elder brother. So our first point, what we're talking about is the cost of reconciliation. The cost of being reconciled. It's the cost of being brought back into right relationship with the Father. That's what reconciled means. Like when you reconcile a checkbook, it's it's making the numbers match. It's so that there's no outstanding debt. You're recon- so the debts are wiped and you're brought back. That's what we're talking about when we say reconcil- reconciliation, being brought back into a right relationship with God. So Luke 15, 20, we'll just read this. Uh, right, this is the parable, what we're talking about. Um, so, uh, so this is the, product, the, the younger brother deciding after he's come into his senses, He's deciding to head home. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him, or he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 
So as we look at the story, we have to ask ourselves, what did it actually cost the younger son to come home? And at first glance, we kind of see that it's basic, it appears at first glance to just have cost nothing. He comes home, there's no punishment, he's just taken in. The father opens his arms, puts new clothes on him, puts a ring, ring on his finger, new sandals, and that's done, he's reinstated, it's free. And many people look to this parable and they point out, you know, something along these lines that, oh, you know, God in heaven is like this father. He just accepts and forgives anyone who asks. There's no need for the classic Christian doctrine of atonement. Reconciliation is just completely free. The elder brother is furious with the father. He's furious because he, he, he knows that Sure, it, the reconciliation is free to the younger brother, but it's very costly for someone else. That's, so he's frustrated right now. There's an internal war going on inside of him. So the elder brother, he's, just, he's upset. He's like, Dad, you received our younger brother back into the family. And you can see his attitude when he says these words. He says, you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But you kill a fattened calf for him. See, the elder brother is angry because of the cost of reconciliation. It's costing him. So I just want to um, do a quick um, demonstration here, just so we have it. Um, I'm not taking a BGMC offering. I just want you to, I needed a bucket. So, and I'm not talking about KFC. Well, I might talk about KFC. So, um, so basically, this is kind of what happened, um, just to, to um, retouch on it. There's a father, he had two sons, he had a money. The, the younger son said, Father, I, I want my share of the inheritance now. I, want, I, I don't really want you, I just want your money, I want a third of it, so please break it up. And so he, he splits it up and he, and so this is all the father's money, and he's like, let's just split it up into three. He's like, okay, two go to the elder brother, one goes to the younger brother. Younger brother takes it and is like, oh great, I finally, I finally get a little bit of freedom. And he goes, and unfortunately he goes and he spends it all on wild living, partying and just prostitutes. And so he pours, he pours all of his money in. He's here, he's back with the pigs. There's a famine throughout the land, he's back with the pigs. Someone hires him. He's sitting there, he's looking at the pig's food. He's like, you know what? The servants get better, uh, a better scenario than what I'm getting. So let's go back and I'll just work for the father. So he comes back, he comes walking in and this is basically what he walks in with. He walks in with an empty jar, he blew all of his father's reputation, his just everything, all of his, his property, it's gone. And so this is the reality of the younger son, this is the elder brother right here. He still has his inheritance, so to speak. So again, this elder brother is furious when he finds out his younger brother's back in the family. Again, look at the inheritance. The father had given the younger brother his entire legal part of the inheritance, and it was all spent. It was all gone now. <clears throat> so the father is restoring him into the family. He has already put a robe on him. He's given him a ring, which is probably the signet ring of the family members. The younger brother's fair share of the wealth is all gone, but now he is back, and every robe ring, fattened calf, is coming out of someone else's pocket. Is this making sense? It, it's, it's, it's like, okay, where did that robe come from? Where did that ring come from? Where did that calf come from? Because 
legally it's all split up now. So the salvation of the younger brother is not free after all. It's already been extremely expensive to bring him back. Just look at the feast, the fattened calf, the most, uh, just the, the most amazing meat reserved uh, for the most special holidays. The entire town's invited. And yet, on this lover of prostitutes, the father throws them a feast, and they begin to celebrate. The father cannot forgive the younger brother except at the expense of the elder brother. He is the one who must bear the cost of reconciliation. The elder brother has to bear the cost of this guy. So there, the, the second thing we're gonna be talking about is that there's a missing elder brother. In, uh, so let's read Luke uh, 15, verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The, el- the elder brother knows all of this. He knows that it's out of his expense. The forgiveness and reconciliation, reconciliation is never free. Someone has to pay. So it's either the younger brother has to come home and earn his way back. That's what the, that's what the older brother wants. Earn your way back, fill it back up, get, get busy. And that's even what the younger brother wants. And as he, as, um, <clears throat> as he offered to do so, or he can come back immediately through forgiveness, and then the elder brother will have to bear the cost. Salvation cannot be simply free. Someone has to pay, either the sinner or the elder brother. So the elder brother knows this and refuses to do it. So we listen to the story, and we see the elder brother being a Pharisee. And we're like, oh man, that's too bad. I wish that Pharisee could have just gotten it and, and been more concerned and had the heart that Jesus had. But that's not where Jesus wants our hearts and our minds to stay. Jesus told his listeners this story uh, together, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, so that we, we would ponder them all together. We would think through them. In each of the first two parables, there is a lost object, right? Um, someone who goes out for it, searches for it, and brings it home with joy. The, the shepherds search until he, he finds the sheep, The woman searches until she finds a lost coin. So when we come to the parable of the lost son, the listeners fully expect that someone will set out to search for the lost brother and bring him home. And to our surprise and the original audience, no one does. So Jesus is leading us to ask the question, who should have gone out to search for this lost boy? Who should have gone out to search for this lost boy? The first century listeners, it would have been obvious they would have said the older brother. That was the reason the oldest son got the lion's share of the estate. It was his job to sustain the family's unity and its place in the community. It is the elder's brother, or it is the elder brother in the parable who should have said something like this should have been in the elder brother's heart. He should have prayed, or he should have told his father, Father, my younger brother has been a fool, and now his life is in ruins, but I will go look for him and bring him home. And if the inheritance is gone, as I expect, I'll bring him back into the family at my expense. It's that the inheritance, the, the inheritance of the elder brother, that, that's what it should have looked like. 
Jesus doesn't put a brother like that into the story. Instead, the younger son and the father have to deal with the apathetic, resistant, self-righteous elder brother. But we don't. That's the good news. The elder brother in the story is there to make us long for a true elder brother. One who, if we go astray, won't hold it against us, but seek his back at any risk and at any cost to himself. This is something as I was reading through this and just pondering it, this is something that really stuck out to me. If we go astray, right now, wherever you're at, maybe life's good, but if we go astray, he's not going to hold it against us. He's not going to be... He's not, gonna, he's, he's not gonna be like a father standing on the porch tapping his foot waiting for us to come home. There, there had better been, be an explanation for this. It's, it's, it's profound. Obviously, you know, we always say, well, it's not a license to sin. Of course it's not a license to sin. He's our, he's our, he's our true elder brother. He's our father. Why would we ever do something to hurt him? But if we do, if we go astray, He's not going to hold it against us. He's simply going to seek us and bring us back at any risk and at whatever cost to himself. So we have that true elder brother. That's the last thing. Jesus. Think of the kind of elder brother that we need. We need one who would not just go into a far country, but who would come all the way from heaven to earth to find us. We need one who would not just open his wallet for us, but pour out his his life. One who would not just pay a finite cost, but an infinite debt to bring us back into God's family. And we do, it's Jesus. When the father says to the elder brother, everything I have is yours, that is literally true of Jesus. Jesus had all God's glory. He had equal glory with the Father, but he emptied himself. He lost it all for us. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says this, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He had everything and he gave it all up. So how do we get the Father's robe? Because Jesus was stripped naked on the cross. How do we get the Father's feast? Because Jesus took the cup of wrath that we might get the cup of joy. He's our true elder brother, and he says so. He says so in Hebrews 2, verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. Jesus came to earth and truly, truly obeyed his father and never disobeyed his orders. He truly had the night. He, he truly had the right to all the father owns. But instead, he came out and searched for us and found us in the pig's sty 
and carried us home on his shoulders, singing with joy. And he gave us his robe, his ring, his place, his wealth. It was all at his expense. God could have been waiting for us to find our way home, so we begin our apologies. Or he could have been upset with the Pharisees and let them perish in their self-righteousness. But he, instead he pursues both sons. When Jesus was giving this message, the Pharisees were just, just, it was just a short time before these people in their hearts were plotting to actually take his life. And yet, in this story, he's, he, he knows that and he's trying to plead with them. He's trying to say, listen, I, I, you know, you don't have to perform any longer. In, in, in the book, Timothy Keller talks about how sometimes, well, God will, God's, God's a loving Father, but he, He'll deal with each one of us as we need to be dealt with. And sometimes that's someone that's, that hangs their head and they're just wallowing. They just, man, I just can't shake this addiction, this issue, whatever it is. And I don't know why, but sometimes like God just comes alongside of us and just His grace and mercy, and He just lifts us up and says, I believe in you, son. Let's keep going after this thing. And then, he, uh, and then, like the Pharisees, it's not this, it's not this you know, tears are going and hug, arms over the shoulders. It's just, it's just a, a gentle conversation with him, trying to encourage him. Come in, come celebrate that your younger brother was home. He's, he's so wise in how he deals with us. Uh, God, God just so desperately wants our our us to understand that he's a good father that actually wants what's best for us. That's, that's something we hear every week. Intellectually, we can accept that. But when Holy Spirit breathes on that concept that he's a good father and he does want what's best for you, how many times have we said that to our children? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to go and do that or I don't want you to go and do this or I need you to go and do this because I want what's best for you. But somehow along the line, we... We, we can accept that from God, but we don't believe that in our experience. We don't believe that in our, in our true trust, in the times of when God's asking us to lay something down or to pick something up. We say, you know, God, I know you want what's best for me. It just doesn't appear that way, so I better stay over here and stay safe than, than stay and, and take the risk. So God's really been working on that in my own life this summer, it's so, it's so fundamental. But when Holy, again, when Holy Spirit breathes on that in your own heart, that he's good and he wants what's best for you, things begin to change. Everything, your trust, everything, the way you perceive, everything changes. So let's look at, um, let's look at how God pursues us. In Ezekiel 34, 11, it says this, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search. I myself will search. I will search for my sheep and seek them out. It'd be easy to send, create some sort of being and say, go find my kids. It says, I myself 
How much are you worth to him? Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love. God demonstrates it to you. He demonstrates it to me. He proves it. He shows it. God demonstrates his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. It'd be easy to create a being and say, go find my kids. It'd be even easier to say, go find my good kids and leave the bad ones. But he pursued us while we were at our worst. It wasn't like day one, man, you said the prayer, so now I'm coming after you. (laughs) While we were still sinners is when he sent Christ, when he proved his love. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek. It's easy to just finish that verse. But he came to seek. That's the older brother. So let's look at what our true elder brother feels about us. And I've replaced father with true elder brother, and I've replaced son with brother. This last verse, we just read it. But the true elder brother said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this brother of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. And I, I, you know, as a, just a personal check in your, own, in your own heart, you know, Jesus is the one who makes us right before God. It's not performance. It's not if you, if you go and evangelize or if you prophesied today or if you're a teacher. Or, none of that. That doesn't make us right with God. Jesus is the only one who reconciles us. The true elder brother is the only one who says, I can pay the bill. I got it all, and I'm coming after him. But I wanna, I wanna ask you, uh, when you think of uh, your worst enemies, when you think about your, 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 um, your boss, when you think about relatives, is this, is this your own heart towards them? But the true elder brother said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Is that what's inside of you? Because the father makes this statement in this passage, but what Jesus is trying to say is, I'm the true elder brother, Jesus. So Jesus comes, he gets 12 disciples, and he commissions them as ambassadors. We learned this in Sunday school class. He commissions them as representatives of the father. They're co-laborers, they're co-heirs to Christ. So the way that you look, the way that I look, should look just like the way Jesus looks. The things that are in his hearts should be in our hearts. This is what's in the heart of Jesus. Towards the elder brothers, towards the younger brothers. It's easy to be, especially if you've been in the church a while, and you have a soft heart for those people that, um, that struggle, you know, just for whatever reason, life hasn't been good to them, they've made bad choices, whatever, it's easy to just show grace and mercy to them. But the person that's been in church that says, you know, I, I want church to be done my way, I think we need more studies on this, or more songs on this, or it needs to look this certain way, and you know what, those people need to stop wearing that. It's easy for 
for us to begin to be elder brothers towards those types of people. For us to be like, man, those guys just don't get it. If they got it, they would value the younger brother. And so, unfortunately, we replace a sin with a sin. We say, oh, those elder brothers, <laughs> and eventually someone will be upset with us for being elder brothers to elder brothers, and, and it just continues on. But to have a true heart, that's what, that's what this, whole, this whole lesson is about. It's what's the condition of your heart? He's not looking at performance. He's not looking at, you know, uh, he, he doesn't want you to be like the younger son and, and work your way back into the kingdom. You can't. You just, you won't ever be able to. I know that's a real struggle for some people. You know, you want to pay God back because it was a big debt he wiped. You can't. You can't do either or. So just some, a couple things to think through is the first thing that we, gotta, we have to wrestle through is, uh, and this is easy, it's very easy to, to stop doing, but it's acknowledging our need of Jesus. Is right now, there's a million things going through all of our minds, right? Uh, lunch is probably one of them. <laughs> uh, football game, lazy boy. Um, you know, our, our kids going to the park to turn around, you know, just hanging out. There's a lot of things going through our mind. But one of the things that we need to go through our mind every single day, hour by hour, is we need our elder brother. We need him more than yesterday, more than the hour before. We need, we need him in our life. We need him in our mind. We need, him, we need his, his emotions to be inside of us. We need his truth to be inside of us. So we have to acknowledge our need of Jesus. Maybe you've never asked God to forgive you of all the wrong things you've done. You know, God loves humility. And in the story, the father from a long way off saw the son. He's like, well, there's a son. And he takes off running. Doesn't say the younger son saw the father. The father saw the young, younger son and took off running. And maybe you've never just apologized out loud for the things that you've done wrong. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We'll, we'll probably fall short at some point today. We need our elder brother. I don't plan to sin. I don't, I don't plan to mess up. God, I hate it. God, get it outside of me. I don't want it in me. I don't want it in my heart. I want you. But his primary issue is not performance. It's not perfect performance. His primary issue is humility. Is your heart soft? When he says do something, are you doing it? If he says give something up, are you giving it up? He's looking for humility constantly. But what happened with the elder brother? He's outside, he's pouting. Dad, that ring was mine. How many times do we do this? We, we say, God, I, I'm living a righteous life. I'm, I'm living for you. And yet that person who doesn't even know you is getting what belongs to me. I had that, those thoughts when Judah died. If I just get honestly transparent with you, I had those thoughts for me. I was like, man, God, why, why is my baby gone? And yet so many other babies are healthy. And that's so selfish. And that's so wrong. We need our true elder brother. 
You know, it's so easy to, it's so easy to become an elder brother and, and be doing things so that we can manipulate God and the people around us. It's so easy to, to, you know, one of the things that we need to do even now is we need to repent of all the things the, uh, we need to repent of, of all the right things that we did for the reasons for which we did them. You know, uh, we, we read that in the book and it, it's really profound uh, that those feelings inside of me surfaced because part of me was doing the God thing, doing church, doing pastor, so that I could manipulate God and do doing what I want. And you might think, well, John, Pastor John, you're a terrible person. It's like those true feelings are terrible ashamed of them. They're, I mean, they're terrible, but, but uh, thank God that's not who I was created for. I'm, I'm created to be a son with, with right thinking, come into agreement with the right theology and, this, and what, what God actually wants me to believe and think. And so I, I renounced that. I said, God, I bless those people, all those healthy kids. Bless them, Father. Jesus, you're so worthy. I'm not following you, so you're my genie. I'm following you because you're good and you're my true elder brother. And you will, you'll never stop. You never stop at, I'm a mess up today. What did that cost? Hell, forever. And yet he says, let me write the bill. And I know theologically it's a one and done type of deal. But when we, again, when we fail to remember our need for the elder brother, when we fail to remember, when we fail to experience him, you know, God, man, we hear about it all the time, you know, my sins are gone, you know, I'm saved, and, all, and it's just so easy to be like, man, God, thank you that that was one and done, I can just move on now, you know, and, and it turns into a rights thing, like, that's not it at all. And so, maybe, maybe you're like the first son, maybe you're, you've never apologized to the Father, you've never had that, that, um, that conversation with him, and you need to. I want to have some music turn on a little bit. And just, um, just in closing here in just a moment, um, we're going to just pray, but uh, if you're a younger brother and uh, you, uh, as kind of as I was talking about earlier, you just kind of feel like you can't kick that addiction or you feel like you need to, you need to pay God back, um, I just want to, I, I just want, or, or maybe you've just never even apologized. I just want to encourage you to voice that to God today. It's just amazing when we pray and we slow down long enough and we pray out loud and say, God, I guess, I guess this is my heart. I don't know why it's in my heart, but it is in my heart. It's just, we're going to, we're going to have a, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And if you're a younger brother and uh, if you just close your eyes for just a moment, but I, I, I want you Kind of be aware just of of the of the differences because you know some of us in this room might be younger brothers. That's and that's there's nothing wrong with that. If you're an elder brother, nothing wrong with that. But if you're a younger brother and you you would say that, man, I need I need prayer. I've never I've never asked God, never talked to him ever once about about coming home, coming back to the table just apologizing for what I've done. I want to encourage you just to raise your hand just so that I can see it, so that I can, I can agree with you, pray for you. Uh, God loves you so much. He's not, it's, it's never, uh, he's not mad at you. 
<laughs> not at all. He's, he's not mad at you at all. He loves you very, very much. That's why you're here today. So if there's just one person that would like to raise their hand, just say, I, I need to come back. Uh, and if that was you, I, I want to, you don't have to come to the front, but if you'd like to, I want to encourage you to come and pray with one of our prayer team members. We have a free gift that we want to give to you just to help you in your faith walk, kind of think through some things, pray with you. If, so if that was you, feel free to find someone. The next group of people is just the elder brothers. This is a series, guys. I, I just, man, I, I feel like I'm wrestling with this probably more than anyone else in the room is. It's like, God, there's an elder brother in me, and I just pray that you change that in me can't do it in my own strength so if that's you if if you feel like man the only reason why I'm even living this thing doing things right is so that when I pray I get my prayers answered if if you just feel that kind of that righteousness in your own heart like I did about different things uh, I just want to encourage you uh, to, to raise your hand I want to agree with you that God just breaks that he's such a good father slow to get angry he's not he's again he's not mad at you in fact, if you feel him right now in your heart, there's a good chance that he's, he's pleading with you outside. He's pleading with you out in the fields. He's saying, hey, why don't you come in? So if, you've ever, if you feel that tug in your heart and you, and you want to, I want to encourage you. Uh, he wants you back at the table. He wants you in, in celebrating. We're going to close again uh, today with... Um, communion if either brother elder younger whoever or if or if you need healing in your body if you whatever you need um, this prayer team is available to you but we're going to close with communion um, this is going to be a uh, if you just come grab a cracker if you need if you need someone to bring it to you just lift up your hand and we'll bring it to you um, but if um, this is just a come take it and um, get alone with God talk to him and uh, do it on your own when you're done, uh, please uh, make your way to the lobby so we can kind of keep this particular room just a place where we can pray and, 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 and talk to God about some of the things that, that are going on in our hearts. So Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for what you did for us. And I just pray, God, that you help us to remember. You just help us to remember what you've done. Help us to experience it every day. Help us to remember hour by hour and just confess our need for you. Thank you that it's out of your own pocket. It was while we were still sinners. Thank you that you came to seek. Thank you that you yourself will search for your sheep, God. Thank you you're so involved. So Lord, I just pray right now that you soften hearts, God. If it's not about perfect performance, God, if it's about humility, I pray that you give everyone a heart of flesh right now, God. You help us to put Put into practice what we learn, God. To celebrate with the younger brothers when they come home. To reach out to the elder brothers when they're, when they're just frustrated out in the field. Help us to have, just be full of love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.